Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 58 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is the Twisted Genius, Dean Ayers, and I am joined as ever by my co-host, sports journalist, Liam Hatt. Hello, Liam. How is day one billion of lockdown treating you? One bit, I thought we were at two and a half billion, personally, but yeah. Looks like it's messing with your head, mate. It's lockdown. You're getting your numbers all spazzed up. It's clearly Clearly. two and a half billion. Um, I'm good. Uh, Have you also noticed, speaking about this lockdown, that uh, we seem to be banging out a little bit more content because of it? Well, I think that's mainly because we've got fuck all else to do. Well, speak for yourself there. I've got plenty going on my <laughs> bustling social calendar. I mean, I've, I've kind of started to get a vague interest in gardening. Is that's how bad it's got? I'm, I'm growing, I'm growing fruit and veg from other fruit and veg. You know, this is this is how bad it's going. I'm growing celery. I don't even like celery. Now I've got the Chelsea fan song stuck in my head. Cheers for that. Celery, celery, yeah. Uh, our American listeners will be very confused by that. Yeah, don't look it up. It's not worth the trouble. It really, <laughs> really isn't. What is it? If she don't come, I'll tickle her bum with a stick of celery. I never yep. understood it anyway. I, I have the honour of being friends with the Chelsea fan who was able, amidst heavy competition, to procure on most social media handles the, uh, the username Tickle Her Bum. <laughs> and if you don't know your football, it just looks like they're this stupid 15-year-old lewd. Like we back in our day when DX was all rage on, we just put 69 on everything, you know. And yeah. ba- to be fair, his mentality has never evolved from that anyway. Fair enough. Fair enough. Incidentally, I'm completely non-wrestling related, but I do have to recommend a, a, a tremendous uh, Twitter account. Uh, of at Fesshole, F-E-S-S-H-O-L-E, um, which is just people with random confessions that they submit anonymously to uh, to to that that Twitter account who then tweet them, um, including a 50-year-old woman who still finds it funny to fart on her dog's head. Uh, but also, I've got to recommend uh, a tremendous wrestling-related um, Twitter account. You know, you know, occasionally you get these really, really pointless yet really, really funny and brilliant Twitter accounts. And you think someone's got too much time on their hands, which obviously they have because we're all in lockdown. And I urge you, uh, dear listeners, to go to at Rick Rude Cells. That's at Rick Rude Cells. And it is basically Rick Rude selling atomic drops. And it is simply just a collection of GIFs. And every GIF is Rick Rude selling an atomic drop in the way that only the great Rick Rude could. It is fantastic. It's some, there's something hypnotic about it. Yeah. Is, is it fair to say that every GIF is a gift? Indeed, it is. It's very ah. fair to say that. Yes. It's right up there with them. Um, 
there's another really pointless um, uh, Twitter account, which is basically um, politicians' faces on football managers' hair. I can't remember exactly what it's called, um, but it is it is tremendous as well. Um, until you, you haven't lived until you've seen the face of Neil Warnock with the hair of Colonel Gaddafi. No, obviously you have not. I'm, I no. can't believe the words that are coming out of your mouth in that order <laughs> at the moment. But anyway, um, it, it's been it's been a busy it's been a busy old week because on the technological front, in slightly more more relevant and more useful um, side of things. Uh, our, our good friends at Hooked on Wrestling, um, despite the fact there are no events for them to uh, promote, but they, they haven't let that stop them. They are busy in the virtual realm, are they not? Yes, uh, that, that's how desperate things have gone for them with no live events. They've actually recruited because WCW. This very podcast is now part of the Hooked on Wrestling Network, which is going to build and build and build, I hope. Sitting in a sitting in a prominent chair, I bloody hope so. <laughs> Indeed, and that is that's at hookedonwrestling.co.uk, hookedonwrestling.co.uk, and you can follow them on Twitter at capital H capital O underscore wrestling. I do believe you can. We're also on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and I say we're because I'm going to be very much part of this project with my uh, my experience running websites and things like that i'm going to be helping cultivate some content because we realize that the guys who come to these live events they just they that you you've been there dean the atmosphere is always incredible it's the it's the most positive side of wrestling and there can be a lot of negativity online we want to make sure that wrestling fans know that there is a sanctuary for positivity there's a sanctuary for the fun of pro wrestling and that is going to be hooked on wrestling.co.uk original content from wrestling fans uh we're going to keep you up to date with the latest news as well uh and we've got a few other things up our sleeves there's a network of podcasts coming, including our very own, because WCW won the first signed. Uh, you could call it a first round draft pick. Hey. And the famous Hooked on Pub quizzes from the events. Anyone who's been to an event will know about the Hooked on Pub quizzes. They're coming to the website in digital form, because if you love your, your social media name games and social media online quizzes where you fill them in and get a score come back to you. All that is coming to hookedonwrestling.co.uk and hopefully we can all enjoy wrestling together. Lockdown or no lockdown? Indeed. And when when things get back to some sense of normality, I think you know, the, the, the Hooked on Wrestling parties are absolutely tremendous. And the great thing as well is if the show's a bit rubbish, you just get drunk. So it's win-win basically. If you are that way inclined, or, or you can just like intoxicate yourself on lemonades, you know, or just put a book in front of your head so you don't have to watch Triple H's 25 minute WrestleMania match. I don't, if, if alcohol's not your thing, there's workarounds, but the parties, as Dean said, the parties are good. Yes, yes, indeed. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one, and you're listening to Because WCW. Now, choke on that. 
So anyway, um, today we are we are doing another Nitro watch along. Um, this is episode number twenty four of Monday Nitro, first broadcast on February the twelfth, nineteen ninety six, and this is the show immediately after Super Bowl six. Um, and the big events coming out of Super Bowl six, we had the um, the bizarre Brian Pillman, Kevin Sullivan respect match, which ended with, I respect you Booker man within less than a minute. Um, and that I believe was Brian Pillman's last ever appearance in WCW. Mm. Uh, and wasn't that where he, he basically got, he got Bischoff to legitimately fire him to, to try and fool the boys and then use that to sign with, WWF and the only one who was fooled was Bischoff yeah yeah um, but yeah that whole we've we've actually documented in the last few watchlongs we've documented the storyline of where it looked like it was going and it's a massive shame because it was an interesting thing where I, my money was pil, was on Pillman being the one that tore the horseman apart uh, that seemed to be where it was going but instead um, that that respect match ended with uh, all the guys who'd been bickering and feuding because we've seen all these matches between Arn and Pillman and the Dungeon of Doom, they're on again, off again, working together was very much on again because this Nitro, Dean, we're officially on the road to Uncensored 1996. And if you are listening and you don't know what that means, check out one of our previous episodes. Very early on, we did Uncensored 96 with, funny enough, head. Uh, honcho of Hooked on Wrestling, Paul Benson, and it's a shower shit, but that's the path we're on right now, unfortunately. Indeed, indeed, yes. Um, so what else happened? We had we had the debut of uh, of the Loch Ness monster, who then became just Loch Ness, um, aka Giant Haystacks. He turned up on the main event show and then showed up um, at the very end of of Super Bowl six in the steel cage. To uh, to try and face off with Hulk Hogan, um, you know there um, the allegedly the reason why um, why Loch Ness Haystacks or whatever you want to call him doesn't get in the cage. Uh, I'm gonna guess it's got something to do with his size. Yes, he genuinely they couldn't fit him through the door. You may have mentioned that back in the day when we had because uh, obviously he wrestled at uncensored, didn't he? He did, yes. Spectacle. Uh, oh, him and the, the giant, that. yeah, yeah. So he couldn't fit through the door, so they therefore just had him on the steps and not on the other, the rest of the dungeon doom, stopping him from coming in. Um, and then, of course, the other thing that was we, we it was foreshadowed um, in the previous episode of Nitro regarding we'd already seen um, woman turn on. Um, now was she with? She was with Savage and turned on. Turned on Savage and joined the Horseman, joined yep. Flair, didn't she? That was it. And at this show, the unthinkable happened, Liam. Yes, unthinkable. Sure, yeah, we'll go with that. Unthinkable. <laughs> um, yeah, it was kind of foreshadowed in the last watch along. That yeah, uh, there was a couple of people blaming Elizabeth for not seeing a, a Horseman sneak attack coming. Uh, and it turns out it was good reason because when we asked the question, why would they blow woman's betrayal on a regular Nitro with a big title match coming up? It turned out they had a one-two punch, didn't they, Dino? 
Indeed, they did because uh, Miss Elizabeth uh, twatted Savage in the head with, his, <laughs> with her shoe. Um, oh, I'm that, making that catch uh, on. Yeah, that's that's my words, not Tony Schiavone's. Um, and um, and yes, Miss Elizabeth turned on the Macho Man and joined the Horsemen. So we are all ready. If as uh, as I said, if you do want to join and watch this with us on the the network or wherever you get your episodes of Nitro from, then this is um, the episode first broadcast on February the 12th, 1996. We are all queued up to 000000. Liam, are you ready? (laughs) Speak for yourself. I've just got to fish the the episode out again (laughs) because I'm using the mobile app and it's not very reliable. But then it's more reliable than the desktop that actually won't let me click any links. But here it is. I have it. And we are back down to 48 minutes. That's cool. We are. Yeah. So we will press play in three, two, one, go. And it is time for nothing to happen. (laughs) Why has that not worked? Has yours not worked? No, that's okay. interesting. I'll stop. I had burning buildings. I was just about to brag about my burning buildings, you know, get put on an arson watch list. But I will restart. Well, I am I am reloading and seeing if that does something. Should we go back to zero 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 zero? I think so. Let me just check. Uh, let me just press play a minute. And, uh... Yep, that is now working. So Technical I will start again. Let's do it. Okay, so we are on zero 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 zero, and we will press play in three, two, one, go. Cue burning buildings. You have the burning buildings. I have the burning buildings. I have the burning buildings. I have exploding traffic lights. You get a burning building. You get a burning building. I have a stinger splash. It's all happening. What an opening And what is that dog going to be dressed up as? That's the question. I am hoping this is the week he just cocks a leg up and takes a piss on Mongo. We are in Tampa, Florida. Beautiful Tampa, Florida. And we're we're at the Florida State Fair. Well... I know I've mentioned this in the past, but I love it when they run the uh, the logo lights down the aisle. So it's been one of my face. It's a bit antiquated now with the fancy pyro and strobe lights they can do, but I just love running your own logo up and down the aisleway. Oh yeah, needs to be brought back. I remember at this this point in time, around about this point in time, uh, I was at university and we launched our. Um student radio station and we had the uh, radio station logo on one of those lighting up our main building oh what i'm trying to get a good look at this dog yeah i don't know what the dog dog's wearing but um all the champions remained the same at at super bowl basically they've just said sting and luger are still the tag champs conan's still the u.s champ johnny b bad still the TV champ and seems to have a lot of DDP's money. Oh, this was when DDP started going broke, wasn't it? Yes. And they'd actually get that feud uh, onto Uncensored because at the moment yeah. it's the TV title that's defended on anything but TV. <laughs> yes. And obviously we've missed Super Bowl, so we're just missing them at every turn. 
So um, that the dog is wearing like a, a bandana or a, a cravat around his neck um, and seems to have a pair of glasses and headphones on. Doesn't look happy about it. Because why the fuck not? Has anyone got the RSPCA's number? No. No, be the, uh, whatever the what, what's the American version? I don't know. Here we go. We're having Super Bowl Six flashback. Oh, we've got pic- just pictures. Of course. Um, They've still got to protect those replays, haven't they? Yep. And uh, we've just uh, got a picture of Pillman just walking down the... Uh... Pillman is history. There you go. Eric Bishop has just said Pillman's history. And um, Flair, Flair came in with Jimmy Hart. So even though, like you said, Liam, we got this feud with the, the Horseman and the Dungeon of Jim, Jimmy Hart is still somewhere in between. And it looked like he was the agent for getting them to reconcile because obviously now we have to gear towards everyone getting uh, swayed by Hogan. Indeed. So we've got the um, clips of Hogan, uh, sorry, of Savage and Flair in the cage. And Miss Elizabeth taking her shoe off, opening the cage door, handing her shoe to Flair and Beg your pardon, Flair won the title, so that was the only title that did change hands, was the World Heavyweight title. Ah. Flair is a, the champion for the 13th time. And then we had Giant V. Hogan in a cage. There's a great picture there of Hogan <laughs> with his arm raised and Sullivan behind him about to uh, about to smack him with a chair. Not dressed as an old woman. And here comes Loch Ness. Yeah, nice how handily Hogan has like destroyed everyone in the Dungeon of Doom. And uh, he says that something he he reckons that we'll see Hogan and the Loch Ness monster at some point in time. Well, uh, it, we didn't due to unfortunate circumstances because uh, Haystacks had to. Uh, Go back home is after being diagnosed with uh, with cancer, which proved to uh, end his time on Earth with us, sadly. Yeah, and to be honest, it, it looked like they were veering away from that storyline. Even if you remember, uncensored, he he had a falling out with the Dungeon of Doom and wrestled the giant. So yeah, they really did meander off course with that one, anyway. I think that's probably because they knew what was going on. They needed to write him out. Ah, maybe, maybe. So we have got Hugh Morris, the laughing man, kicking things off for us. Considering what he would become in later echelons, it's weird looking at him like this here. He's much heavier with the long hair. You know, you think of like uh, the general Rection days, as daft as that gimmick was. He ended up being the US champion at it all. And some of the stuff with him and Lance Storm, I thought, was actually pretty good. Uh, and then, obviously, build them up in WWE with a, with a bit of a reputation as a trainer. But looking at him here, it's just so weird in retrospect. Mm. Looks, as you say, looks very, very different. And it's one of those things as well, you know, he never, I, I never made it into the upper echelons of, of things himself, but became you know became one of the top trainers in the in the country at mm. one point in time but he's going to wrestle the macho man so i think he might die cuz i think savage is going to be a, a tad peeved 
Well, he's uh, he's not looking at all um, flashy. He's looking very intense. Yeah, there you go. They said no hat, no no hat, no glasses, no pomp. He is he is pissed off, and he doesn't have a title around his waist either. And someone didn't want to let go of his hand there. Just went to and another one. Huh? Yeah. So the question is: Is this going to follow the Randy Savage formula? Because Hugh Morris is exactly the kind of level of star that would follow the formula. But are we going to have something different given that it's uh, straight after Savage has lost the belt? That's what I was going to say, Dean. If this follows the formula, it's going to take us out of this whole macho selling his state of mind. Because if he has the exact same match after that, it kind of ruins the vibe. It should be a little more gritty and a little more 50-50 Maybe Savage just losing control of of his of his uh ah, I'm getting hot. It's terrible with words. He's losing control of his discipline, I should say, you know. Yeah. And that could cost him, that could lead to an opening. Uh but well, we'll see. So far it is an absolute duke it out fight, turnbuckles, yeah. face rakes on the ropes. Yeah, he's intense, isn't he? Savage is very intense here. And it's telling or trying to tell the story of Savage just wanting to take this out, this anger out on whoever happens to be in front of him. But Hugh Morris is fighting back. And of course you could argue that after the reconciliation of the two sides, Hugh Morris is now officially technically a horseman athlete at this stage. Mm. They're back in league. We're about to get an Alliance to end Hulkamania. <laughs> oh, God. I wonder if and they'll have any to, luck. Uh, yeah, I wonder. We get to see uh, Z Gangster and uh, what was it they called him in oh, the end of the Ultimate know. Solution? Yeah, but. Uh, after which... they, yeah, after they called him the. They st- they did. They started by calling him the final solution until someone pointed out you really shouldn't call someone that ever. They had to be clued in by another department that the final solution is not a good phrase to take in vain. (laughs) I mean, oh man, anyone with just the slightest clue about history. Oh dear. Anyway, let's, let's go back on topic. Um, Savage is now in trouble. We are we are veering towards the formula. <laughs> I mean, if if we break down the formula, what we're we looking at, we're looking at hardly anything from say he's manning a bit of a comeback. I don't know if it's a hope spot here, but he's manning a bit of a fight back. But if it's mostly humorous on top from here, and in the flying elbow within five minutes, that would be savage formula, wouldn't it? Yes, and the camera has just moved away from a uh, member of, of staff at the venue confiscating a Pillman for Prez banner. <laughs> just uh, just as, as the camera switched, and now you can see a lot of people looking in that direction, and the sign isn't there anymore. Makes you wonder, maybe even that was staged, because obviously at this point they're still acting like this is all towing that line, and... They think it's revolutionary stuff, and to an extent it is, but it also confuses more people than it intrigues. Uh, it makes, and, yeah. It does make you wonder if they did 
purposely did a staged confiscation of a sign like to really put over you know this is this is the uh industry that completely wiped out the importance of sticking up the x sign if someone's really hurt you know enough mm. nothing sacred yeah i mean i remember when i was in um in rqw because of because of uh because of that we basically had something we we had something else i won't say what it was but we had something else that we would do if there was a legitimate injury um and the x was used for if you needed an angle because because of that right hugh morris is up top for the moonsault he's gonna miss he's missed and they, this will no doubt be the opening savage needs he's picking him up for a slam is he gonna go for the elbow already yes he is i like that body slam simple transition rather than Morris magically rolling into position yeah I just like the fact it's like right fuck it I'll sell I'll sell I'll sell elbow pin oh he's not going for the pin though what's happening here is he going for another elbow drop I think he's not happy I wonder if he'll go to five like he did at Wrestlemania (laughs) 7 and look at this crowd though Reacting to it. Now he goes for the pin. I love how casual Savage was with all that. He's not happy. Like even Look with at the those win. eyes. Yeah. And you know that that's the thing. I remember um William Regal, Stephen Regal, whatever you want to call him, saying about this. Oh, he's going up top again about that people you've got to you've got to show your emotion, your character, your storyline in your eyes, because if you don't, people can see through it. And Regal's the master of that. Do you remember how over he got the Eugene stuff early on? Yeah. The conflict he had when he had to kind of carry out Eric Bischoff's bidding, and yet he had clearly like taken a shine to Eugene. I think Regal's efforts turned that whole tasteless storyline into a, into a bit of a winner. Savage on the mic. Savage on the mic. My network is just frozen. Oh, sharp pause. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm hitting pause, but just to recap, if anyone's doing the actual watch along, yeah, we're on pause at the moment, but uh, I know some of you guys just listen to us, so you just have to hear us like fill some air for a minute while Dean fixes his thing. But Savage got on the mic and said he wants the Nature Boy Ric Flair which is a silly thing to give him mic time for because, you know, even wrestling fans can put that much together. Sorry, wrestling fans listening. <laughs> uh, hold on, something is not... It's just... Let me just refresh again. Have you this... tried switching off and then on? Oh, <laughs> this is exactly what I'm planning to do right now. There we go, right. So... um. What time? I'm on 12.19. He's just leapt over the top rope. Where are right. you at? I'm at 12.24. So hit okay, play hold and on. count to five. Four, three, 20, 24 now. 25, yeah. Are you around about the same place as me? Yeah, I might be a second behind, but I'll be fine. That's cool. We're, we're here. We're doing it. So, yeah, that was... <sighs> That that was Savage Formula with a little bit of oh I guess we'd better better uh, sell the events of the pay per view with our facials mm-hmm. thrown in. It was it's it's funny to think about the fact that 
a man who trained like what two generations two batches of wwe wrestlers was just like punch kick choke punch kick choke and then you think of how generic and lame the in-ring content got in wwe for a long time after the end of wcw yeah if you're lucky you you'd see in addition to the punches and kicks if you're lucky you'd see a ddt a spear or a spine buster Well, we're um, we're seeing the. I don't know if you noticed there the crowd shot. We had um, there were a fair few empty seats in the corners there, uh, which weren't particularly well hidden. And we've now got a uh, some kind of race car driver for WCW. Is it a NASCAR driver? Steve Grissom. Going by his accent, I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> He's got a NASCAR accent. So this, so this is where they basically just drive these big old cars round, round a circuit for like a million laps or something. Isn't as it? as a former Eurosport editor, I do know that there are many different disciplines to uh, motorsports, and that the differences between the main branches in America and Europe alone will make your head spin. There are a lot of different types. Um, but one thing I do know from all of this is that segments like this really show off Mean Gene's skill set because he has to really sell this as something that those W fans should give a shit about. And he does. He's very good Ooh. at it. And, and guiding people through when they're not particularly used to doing interviews. Which, oh, you know, absolutely. They certainly wouldn't be. I still fondly remember, what was that, Starcade 95, which was an overall shitty pay-per-view. But the way he uh, held Eddie Guerrero's hand for mm. then, that was such a great thing to look back and know. You know, I wouldn't have noticed that watching it in 95 or even 99 or 2002. But now you look at that and you think, yeah, Mean, mean Gene's done a tremendous job there. Yeah. Right. Well, here comes, we've got Loch Ness coming up. Oh, um, fuck. Now this is this is great because right now they have called him the Loch Ness monster in commentary here. However, the uh, he's always just called Loch Ness, which is actually a place, a real place. Loch, Loch, the, the Loch Ness monster obviously uh, doesn't exist. However, Loch Ness is a real a real river or a loch in Scotland. However, they've just said, oh, he's from England, isn't he? So they've got a guy from England being portrayed as a guy from Scotland, which doesn't make sense really. Well, but... I don't know how to break this to Dean, but China was actually from Massachusetts or somewhere <laughs> similar. I'm sorry to shatter the illusion there for you. There you go. So he's now, yes, there you go. Loch, Loch Ness. He's named after, he's, he is a place apparently. But um, at this point in time, he's 49 years old. He is at the very, very tail end of his career. He has been wrestling for the past 20, 25 years in the UK and Europe. Um, he's around, he's about, he's 45 stone or which is around 630, 650 pounds. And that was legit because he was um, listed in the Guinness Book of Records um at one point i remember in my childhood he was like britain's heaviest sportsman or something like that so so that weight was legit um he was billed at six foot eleven he was he wasn't quite that tall he was about six seven six something like that 
That's not um, like professional wrestling. <laughs> I know, but he is enormous. Um, and his matches were never long. His matches were never spectacular, but he was just an, uh, an awesome physical specimen. And he was the way he was able to kind of hold people's attention um, was something else. But we are not getting this here in this match. Scotty Riggs is uh, firing on all cylinders, punches, drop kicks. Nothing seems to be budging him. But Scotty Riggs is going up top again. He's just doing the usual. Uh... Oh dear! He just tried to try to <laughs> catch, tried to catch him off a cross body block, dropped him, and then fell flat on his own face. And he's now getting ready for his big elbow. And it's oh, there's the big elbow. But it's all that's kind of that. Even the referee was trying to get in the way, and Haystack had to tell him to get out the way. And it's all gone a bit messy and now he's now whether he's meant to only do one elbow drop I don't know but in England he'd always elbow drop them and then they'd get stopped or counted out whereas here he's elbow dropping them and pinning them and that was less than a minute and that was pretty horrible wasn't it but I guess the thing you see the thing with with haystacks matches in the UK was they would build not I'd said not a particularly long amount of time but the the tension would build because the whole match was around some you know the, the wrestler the the babyface trying to avoid getting the big elbow off haystacks and if they could knock him down usually he couldn't get up again if they knocked him down they'd be able to pin him and, and beat him um that's, so that that kind of match there wasn't really um, didn't really fit in with what what we what we needed. So so yeah, if you if you do succeed in getting um, picked for Mastermind, we know that Giant Haystacks will be your specialist subject. <laughs> he was one of he was one of my favourite wrestlers. He was just he was just such. Um, such a unique sight and saw him live many times and he was absolutely terrifying. So we've now got Elizabeth and woman with a hospital bed on a gurney for some reason. <laughs> and Ric Flair has emerged. He's he's sending up Savage's promise that someone's going to leave that cage match for the title on the gurney, and he's he's ah. come out on a gurney under a blanket. And he looks like he's ready. He's been on the good stuff. He's he's ready for a promo. <laughs> he's now got both the girls. He's got the title. He's got Mean Gene. What more could you want in life? Yeah, and yet we didn't get a single woman, oh woman, won't you marry me now? We didn't get a mean, woo, my God, Gene. So it's clearly a B-level promo. Yeah, although the um, we've we've just had our first um, our first subtitle, Ricket, because apparently Ric Flair's got his first toggle offense. Oh, to come. He's off the deep end. Yeah. Mean Gene keeping up with the microphone. 
the ladies trying not to corpse. It's it's not going yeah. well for them. Now this is also something you don't see in anywhere else, where Mean Gene is holding that microphone for people. Normally, you know, the wrestler just holds the mic himself, but Mean Gene was a master at doing this as well. I don't and know why when, he did it. When you interview Ric Flair almost every week, you kind of have to pick up the knack of it, otherwise <laughs> no one's going to hear a word he says. Yeah. So if you think about it, this is the moment that Flair's wanted since 92 when he had this feud with Savage in WWE. Yes, of course. He's finally got that centrefold. Oh, Miss Elizabeth will speak. I think it's going to be a why I did it. Yeah, seven years she had to sit in the corner behind Randy and never speak. And mean she nearly dropped the mic. <laughs> oh, she took half of everything. <laughs> Last night she took it all. And now she's forgotten her next line. Which is a shame, because she was doing good up until then. She was. <laughs> Prides himself on living on the edge. <laughs> Back to Flair. Flair's just chiming in with maniacal laughter while she cuts the promo. Flair has lost it now. This is this is vintage Flair. Just absolutely gloating. He's got the girls, he's got the belt, and he's about to get emasculated at the next pay-per-view in the night on two. Yeah. And uh, next up, we've got a match that was on Nitro Dark match a couple of uh, weeks ago. Conan and Devon Storm, presumably for the US title. Hmm. Maybe not. I don't know. Weird seeing Devon Storm on that graphic looking so different to the crowbar persona. Yes. So I, I remember him wrestling a lot in 1999 as Devon Storm, looking exactly how he did in the crowbar era, but without, obviously, the whole crowbar gimmick. Yeah. Uh, it, I have to remind myself that he had a completely different look before that. Yeah. So here, this is the official TV debut of Dangerous Devon Storm. He's... So again, this wouldn't make sense if he was getting a title shot on his debut. But then again, this is WCW, so you never quite know. I mean, it's, she... it's not that difficult to announce a Champions Wrestling non-title. The company should no. do that more. And can I also just say what an awesome mullet that is? Yeah, if you consider mullets to be things that register as awesome, sure. Well, you know, as far as mullets go... Better than Joe Exotics. Yeah. And here, here comes, comes Conan. Yeah, to to generic rock music. Think of all the rap tracks he's come out to. Mm. They've spelt Conan wrong. It's always and, good. And he seems to have done a mix and match of three different generic lucha outfits. <laughs> it's like one of those books, you know, where you can turn three parts of the page. I love yeah. those. When, when my daughter Isabel was like one and two, we'd go through those and there'd be like a, a monkey with a dolphin's body and the tiger's legs. You know, and that's what Conan looks like in this outfit. Isn't that just like Greek mythology? 
Yeah, sure. They love their dolphin torsos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, here we go. And Conan's turned his back to Devon Storm. Not a wise move. And he's already thrown him out of the ring. Baseball slide drop kick. I get the feeling this isn't going very long because he's basically busting out the big moves already. Plus, he's looking under the ring for a chair. Plus, it's the US champ versus a jobber. So I should bloody hope it's not going long. If this was AEW Dynamite, that being said, they'd still get 12 minutes. He uh, just dove off, the used the chair as a step, Sabu-like. So we, we can see at this point in time, at least, who who uh, a major influence on uh, Devon Storm is. So he's so he's Sabu with Pat Sharp's hair and Mar- <laughs> Marty Jannetty's outfit. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Uh, speaking of their outfits, I think I've figured out what's happened. Uh, Bischoff realised that they were changing Randy Savage's dress Ooh. for... Oh, wow. Sorry, that, that sorry to interrupt, but Storm came off the steps, dove onto Conan. Conan just about caught him and then powerbombed him on the floor and yeah, just about held it together. Yeah, that had to be a big spot for us to interrupt me because I had a hilarious joke that's now ruined. <laughs> no, I've, I think what's happened is that Randy Savage obviously dressed down to sell his uh, his mindset, his mood earlier. Mm-hmm. And they realised, hold on, who are we going to have on the show to wear nausea-inducing outfits? And they're like, Conan, Devon, you're up, guys. <laughs> Welcome yep. to Nitro. Looking like a, a, an accident in a highlighter factory. Mm. I don't recognise this Conan making an effort. It's weird. Very nice uh, rolling uh, Hurricane Rana and another head says a takeover. They are going at a million miles an hour. They've evidently got about three minutes to get all their shit in, basically. <laughs> and... Do you know, you know what? When people go on about how modern day matches is move after move, bang, 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 and nobody sells anything, I think they should watch this match because this is very much in the modern style of wrestling. There are always certain matches that go for that. And to be honest, there's, there's not many. I know there are some, but there's not many examples of them that actually work in that format because you do forget a lot of it. Mm. As, I but say I mean, that this... as a fan. Yeah, this match, I, I I think you could transplant this match into 2020, and it wouldn't. It would just look like a, a regular a regular wrestling match of the of yeah. this era. Do you know who I've been watching a little bit of at live shows just before the lockdown? Who very much fits into that category is uh, Ricky Knight Jr. Mm. who is carving a bit of a reputation because he can do some incredible things. But I watched, like, one particular standout was uh, he wrestled uh, Robbie X at oh, yeah. Rev Pro Show at York Hall. And the two guys just literally did a bunch of really good stuff and none of it registered. Like, it was just a whirlwind of moves and stuff. And then someone won the match. And I say that sarcastically. I know that Ricky like, won the match. But it, it literally does register as, oh, yeah, some, you know, they did moves and then someone won. That's how it feels in my head as a fan because it was all pretty meaningless in that sort of blur. And weirdly, this has slowed down now. 
This has slowed down, yeah. I mean, I think when people are new into a promotion, I suppose, you know, you want just, it's a bit of an exhibition to show people what you can do. And then bit, you know, bit by bit, you, you get invested in storylines and invested in the characters. So um, maybe also you just want to show the promoter what you can do. But I, w- I want to give a good example, and it's a WCW example of a guy who made his debut by the name of Two Cold Scorpio. Mm. And he made 10 times the impression that most of these guys do in their situations. And he did it with the finisher. And that yeah. was it. And that, goes, and that goes to show how it works. The 450 was all he needed. And the sell from Jim Ross on the commentary, I always bring that up because I, just, I love it. Unfortunately, it, it sparked a generation of Mauro Ronaldo type announcers who shout and scream at an arm drag. But he, Jim Ross, legitimately lost his shit over the 450. And for me, it was an even better call than when he was doing the Hell in the Cell stuff and that. Yeah, because no one had had seen that before. It was unique. Mm. And I remember watching that and then rewinding it and watching it again because I'd never seen anything like it before. And I want to say that was a clash. You know what? If we do end up finally getting around to some Clash of the Champions, assume that was indeed a clash. We have to start with that one, I think. Oh. Well, Conan has won this by uh, reversing a, um, a Hurricane Runner or Frankenstein off the top rope into another powerbomb. I think that's about three powerbombs that Devon Storm took. And that, yeah, that was, as you, as, as you kind of alluded to earlier, that was just way too much stuff in a, a very short space of time. Mm. I mean, that match went five minutes. Oh, look at this. And they crammed so much in. It's Hulk versus Ooh. Arn Anderson. I may know about this match. It was Two Cold Scorpio debuted as Ron Simmons' mystery partner at he Clash did. of the Champions. It was a Clash, 21. Yeah. We might have to and make that our first Clash. And my, my Nitro has gone again. Uh, oh, man. 31 minutes and two seconds. <laughs> I'm going to have to... This, this hasn't happened for probably over a year, well over a year. Right, I'm back. I'm on... What what um, what time are you on? 08. 08. Okay, I'm, I'm on 03. So I will go 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... Oh, wait. And here comes Arn and Woman. Yes, indeed. Right. We are we are in sync again. So Arn can now come out. He can, you know, he can just be a heel. All, all of the admittedly intriguing nuance with Kevin Sullivan and that is kind of, you know, Pillman's gone. That storyline's basically shit-canned, even if they don't realise it at the time because they think Pillman's coming back. Uh, and it's we're down to heels all gang up on Hogan again. Yeah. Which, much like the reason behind a near 50-year-old 700-pound Loch Ness being brought in barely mobile, uh, is another sign of Hulk Hogan's midlife crisis. Because it's it, a, a monster for him to slay, basically, yep, isn't it? Everyone revolve around Hogan. Uh, and this is so. This is an interesting match. I don't want to spoil too much before we get to the finish, but this was something I honestly think, and I'll explain why after the match. This is something that Triple H picked up on during his work for me, and to be honest, for a lot of people, his worst time 
to watch Triple H was like around 2002 because you know the Austin went, The Rock was in Hollywood, the stars had gone, it had boiled down to Triple H and The Undertaker and people started to realise that they weren't the guys we were we were flocking to watch, they were the guys who wrestled the guys we were flocking to watch mm. and uh, I'll explain why that's relevant to this once we've had the match, but here he is with an eye patch on again Ooh. See, I, I remember just going back to, to Loch Ness and, and, and Haystacks and Hogan. I remember when in, in British wrestling shows, you'd get a program that was put out by the promotion. And it was the same program at all the shows. And just the, 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 the lineup would be changing on the back. And I do remember there was an article about um, Haystacks challenging Hogan or putting a, putting a you know, verbal challenge out to Hogan. Um, and Hulk Hogan was one of the few American wrestlers that anyone had heard of in this country. You know, this was before the internet. This was really before American wrestling magazines came to the UK. And obviously, you know, no one read, knowing those, reading those things knew about contracts and the fact that, you know, Hulk Hogan would never face giant haystacks as an independent wrestler. But it was, it was one of those things that in, in this country, it did get a little bit of interest from some old school British wrestling fans of, oh, here we go. We may finally, albeit both of them past their prime, but we may finally get to see this, this match that we talked about in the eighties. <laughs> Which basically is the premise for most things that Hogan did in WCW was yeah. stuff that should have happened in the eighties. <laughs> Thank heavens for Hall and Nash, who just provided a bit of an aberration to that. So Hogan's got his eye all patched up still. I've got to say though, this is going to be a blank canvas for Arn to do his his finest cartoonish hill stuff, and he's one of the best at that. Yeah, at he's just, already overselling. Yeah, he he can just really ham it up as a as a handlebar moustache style villain, you know. And mm. against Hogan, he can just do that all night before you would imagine eating the inevitable leg drop. And Hogan is already no selling clothesline in the corner and he's now hit on with a pair of clotheslines in related news water is wet <laughs> film at 11 and now it's Hogan with the uh, clothesline into the corner and Arn does sell that and falls face first to the canvas and Hogan now rakes his back twice the, e- the old the, yeah. Yeah, the old Greco-Roman back quick. Do you know what was interesting as well was that um, someone, I think it was um, Alan Cheapshot, posted some um, gifts of Hogan against the great Mutar from Wrestling Dontaku in 93, um, because that was, I think it was the anniversary of it the other day. And um, and it, it just showed that you know Hogan could wrestle when he wanted to, because he's doing chain wrestling Hammerlocks go behind takedowns, drop toe holds, a cross arm breaker. Um, he, he's doing, yeah, he, he knows what, what the score is. But then that's why a lot of wrestling fans don't like him because they know what he can provide and he chooses not to. 
That's mm. why the old, you know, the urban legend that he uh, once told, he, he quietly told uh, an opponent, I don't know who, but something along the lines of he whispered in his like, slow down, brother, we've already got their money. That's the mentality of it. And that's why people who watch wrestling week in, week out grow to dislike him. Uh, as you know, like in a work environment or in any sort of social situation, um, incompetence does make you despair a little bit. But the one thing that will make you angry about someone is laziness. Laziness is worse yeah. than incompetence. I suppose the, at least the incompetent person is trying. Yeah. So now they're back in the ring after a bit of brawling at ringside. Hogan's taken his uh, his eye patch off. And now he's taken the uh, wrist tape off. And while woman is distracting the, the, the referee, he is choking on with his wrist tape. I think Hogan, and now he's choking, I think Hogan's broken more rules than Arn, and Arn's the heel. I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm presuming this has to be the main event, surely, because we don't have, yeah. we've got about 10 minutes left. And this is Hulk Of course Hogan, it's the main obviously. event, it's Hogan. He's but, um, not going to be uh, anything so, less than the main event. So looking at what we've had so far, this is a really lame duck lineup. This is... This is more like a, an old episode of WWF Wrestling Challenge, isn't it? Some really well, we crappy a... squash matches we've had so far. Yeah, I was going to say we had effectively we had we had a we had a squash kind of a squash with Savage. We had a squash with what Loch Ness, a promo from Flair, and the, and now this. And I know you and I have kind of grown accustomed to that little sweet spot they find on odd tweets where it's more of a semi-squash, where you'd have the stars against prospects, and the prospects would look like they got potential, but they would lose to the established stars. It was, there was always something about that that worked a bit better. And, and another formula they haven't tapped into much is pairing up various singles feuds in tag team matches, unless the mm. guys are part of elaborate stables like we had a, a horseman dungeon of doom tag match last week unless that's already the case we haven't seen a lot of that i miss the old wcw days where sting and steamboat and marcus alexander bagwell would be teamed together in a six man against yeah, a dangerous yeah. alliance and there's so many exactly, ways you yeah. can go about it but their choice of matchmaking for this show has kind of doomed this to be a shitty episode yeah, I mean, I was I was just about to say that exact thing that you talked about there. The old, and again, this goes back to my memories of watching WCW Worldwide in the early '90s at three o'clock in the morning, and yeah, you'd have that six-man tag that would inevitably end in a DQ, but you didn't care because you we're to see out the of time. With Capetta All... announcing that you know we have TV time remaining. Yeah. I also remember there was there was a great there was a great main event once that was either an, a, an eight man tag or a six man tag and it was the Horseman and it was it was it was the era that Sid Vicious was in the Horseman and um and it was against it was filmed you know down south in Georgia or South Carolina or somewhere and it was like Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner and people like that and it was. Obvious who the winner was going to be, but it was a really, really good match because you'd got these guys in there who just obviously knew exactly what to do and how to do things. And the come back to this match because the crowd are reacting, and here comes Flair 
with Miss Elizabeth okay. wearing a, what looks like a wipe clean dress. Yeah, so this is a point. I, I might get a bit of heat for this, but I have to bring this up. For the for the males who, who listen, I have to ask this. Is it just me, Dean? Or does, like, for, 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 for men who are attracted to females, is there something about females in wrestling where if they turn heel, they immediately get 10 times hotter? Oh, absolutely. And I know that that's not going to be the sort of topic that's going to sit well with everyone who listens. I have to say, for, from our point of view as heterosexual males, it just, I, I remember Trish Stratus as well when she turned on Chris Jericho. And we're talking about women who are already attractive. We know this. But suddenly they just catch your eye all over again. Yeah, and I've got to say, he's got to go back to the match because Arn's done his big spine buster. He's covered Hogan, and Hogan is now no selling and he's hulking up. And I think we know what's coming next. He should be tarred and feathered for no selling that spine buster alone. I know. And now the punches, and yeah, well, we know what happens now. Or do we? Or big do boot. we? Oh, big boot, and he's now, he's, he's, Posing to the crowd rather than going for the leg drop. That's going to do the he's Rick Flair strap. Flair. <laughs> Rick. He's mocking Flair and Flair's gone mental. And what's Flair trying to do? He's grabbing a cheese truck. Flair tried to grab the chair that the security guy is sitting in, and the security guy would not give him his chair. We already saw um, from earlier that Flair is not of a good mental state. He is like <laughs> Looney yeah. Tunes tonight. And now, now Arn is in the figure oh, four, God. and Flair is Flair is trying to beat up Hogan. Hogan has got Flair pinned, even though Flair is in the match. Why there is a disqualification, I don't know. Woman is doing something. She's a uh, woman's got powder, not that kind of powder. <laughs> not like that. Not like that. I mean, that was probably in the dressing room. He's now threatening to punch woman. And the powder straight in the eyes. Did the ref see that? Did he not? Well, Arn's I mean, there's got a the load shoe. Of... Arn there's has a... the shoe. This is a running joke oh. now with the women's shoe. Boom. And if I may repeat my phrase from earlier, he's twatted him with the shoe too. And Arn Anderson has pinned Hulk Hogan. Told you. This is a great day, Liam. This uh, is a great day. I... I don't care if it was with the assistance of a shoe and a load of powder, creative control. But hey, Arn has pinned Hogan. I hinted at this a few weeks ago on a watch along saying uh, I vaguely remember a certain match result coming up, and this was it. I remember that Arn got a singles, a tainted singles win over Hogan. Now, we're about to see one of the uh, the stipulations of that. Hogan, Hogan straight just, back up. Yes, he literally popped up with a, like, a surprised look on his face. And, yeah, he's now doing... Now, this is exactly like Nash, Hall and Nash actually used to do as well, where they'd lose to someone and then immediately make the loss look absolutely nothing by... Yep. Popping straight up again, I slipped on the banana skin kind of thing. It's literally Savage was a is banana out now skin. as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, you also notice as as per the deal to get this uh, to get this win for Arn, Hulk also had to get a visual pinfall on the current world champion. Yes. <laughs> in a match he wasn't even involved in. 
Which is probably why Flair wasn't trying to kick out because he wasn't in the match. Although, as we've seen previously in WCW, that doesn't mean that you can't lose the match. Flair gets a chair shot to the head, and now, despite the result of the match, the babyfaces are in the ring having seen off the heels. So I, I compared this to Triple H earlier. There was a period in 2002 when Triple H was just unbearable as one of the remaining mm-hmm. so-called headline acts. He would... Uh, he he would oh, hold, hold on. Go Flair's on. got the headset. He's gone mental again. Told we'll you he was in that mindset. Hello. <laughs> His first words are hello. Maniacal Flair's the best. And you can tell that Elizabeth is vibing it a little bit. Double A on the mic now. <laughs> Flair's broken the headset. At least I haven't got a chance to brag, but I, I suppose that means he has to get his ass kicked again. Yep, here comes Poochie. And this is a bit of a forbearance. <laughs> Heenan's like trying not to get his ass kicked or get his neck done. Heenan was very gently handled there by Hogan, to be fair. Yes. (laughs) Very gently took the headset off of him. Heenan's trying to not trip over wires and stuff. This is amazing. I have to say, I've enjoyed this whole storm in the commentary position stuff. If they had just... Let the hills escape. Since they just literally robbed the... Not literally, but... They, they figuratively robbed the bank. Uh, let them escape and gloat. And then have the faces chase them to commentary position. I kind of like that uh, that visual. But Hogan at this point is so campy, isn't he? Hulk wants a rematch. He is 80s. And this is the mid-90s. And and I and you know looking at this with the hindsight of the N, the NWO and the great heel turn and stuff, you can the, every, everything that we've watched through all these nitros it is all showing us exactly why it was right to pull the trigger. Hmm. I just I love that closing line from Savage. He said, and I quote, "Helter Skelter, yeah." God, this was an episode of the Good Coke, wasn't it? Ah, <laughs> oh, Flair, Savage, Hogan, uh, Devon, Storm. I think they all had a good old share of it. Just look at Savage's eyes. Off his tits. And I say that because you can't libel the dead. Yeah, this this episode for, for wrestling is a... But for, for just glorious coked up behaviour, it is an all-timer. And there's poor Mean Gene who couldn't partake because he had to do everyone's piss tests for them. Yeah. He, he's, he's the mortal that keeps the bricks together here. <laughs> he must he must have enjoyed that whiskey after the show was finished. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, we are we are coming to the end of this episode. Um, so so what, what what is that a thumbs up? Is that a thumb? I mean, the, the wrestling was pretty awful. I, Apart from the, a great main event result, but yeah, we had four we had four matches. 
the one we had one pseudo squash, one squash with a horrendous botch in it, one get our shit in, all of our shit in in five minutes, and then and five and then the main botches. event. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the visual of Arm Pinny Hulk is a treat, and the whole post match, you know, you calm it down a little bit. As I said, you didn't have to have Hogan pop straight back up and beat yeah. him up first. Have the hills escape gloat at the announced position and that's where the babe faces who are still pissed off at the that's where they storm the position fair yeah. enough so there's a couple of nice visuals there but no for an hour show i've got to say that for me that was a fun stand and i'm gonna quickly run through his comparison otherwise i, I was gonna say yeah let's go back to triple h 2002 <laughs> Tri- that we we're talking triple about. h uh I believe he lost certain matches in 2002. Like he took a pinfall to Reverend Devon, if you remember that character. Mm. And he, uh, I think he also had a loss to Chris Jericho on a SmackDown. And think of all the times he's beaten Jericho in major matches. And he just let that little one slide through in a meaningless fashion. It was a business model that Triple H made great use of when he was at his most unbearable, where he'd make sure he did technically get beaten so people can't say, oh, he never loses, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they know exactly when to lose and make it mean nothing. And they know when to make sure they win and it means everything. Uh, and you saw that bit, and it, it just the parallels of it happening to two completely unbearable characters at their most unbearable on the timeline is no coincidence. Very much so, no coincidence, and and it is that ego kind of creative control type type thing going on. I mean, and this is. This is why I, I've always been of the firm belief, and this echoes back to what we we're talking about with um, with the last pay-per-view review with Priscilla, Queen of the Ring, um, when we're talking about Bischoff and Russo. To me, the best bookers are people who aren't actually in the product itself, that you oh, are absolutely. removed. And, you know, you look at... For, I mean, Paul, Paul Heyman in ECW of its time was tremendously booked and he barely ever appeared on the TV. And when he did, it was just a kind of as himself. It wasn't really in the storyline or anything like that. And you... that, that's what... Let's go. It's all right. I was, I was just going to point out, if you wanted a mainstream example of that and the fact that it doesn't just apply to wrestling, just check out any Adam Sandler film post 2004. Do I have to? No. Okay. But you should, you, yeah, it would benefit you to just take my word for it. But if you really don't believe me, watch one and you will be coming back to me admitting you were right and wondering where the last hour and a half of your life went. Fair enough. So, so I'm, uh, do you know, what? I'm, I'm, I'm torn on this episode because Hogan loses and we get the, the debut of the Loch Ness monster, which is a, a strange, campy kind of, glory for me even though the match was horrible so i'm i'm just going to edge it into the plus just about just by the skin of its teeth you were able to embark on a monologue about loch ness's career that i think went longer than that entire (laughs) shit show of a match (laughs) i mean i mean he damn near he damn near maimed scotty riggs yeah, and you know did. what I said? Uh, everything you said, I agree with because I saw the little, the little aspects of his trade that he's clearly very experienced and very clever at. Like I'll give you one thing I didn't get to mention earlier was he's coming to the ring 
and he get, before he goes up the steps, he gives them like this little look, like he doubts that they can hold his weight. Like little mm. things like that, I really appreciate. And and just he this he that whole look on his face, he had a a tremendous like bad guy snarl, didn't he? He just looked menacing. Yeah. But as soon as it came to things where he had to move, it got embarrassing, and that you had to you had to wonder if Riggs was seriously hurting all that. Yeah, they 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 brought him in, you know, ten, fifteen years too late, really. Um, he was he was at the, the the tail end of his of his career. Um, but yeah, if you you go onto YouTube and you just put, put you know put just put giant haystacks in, you'll see some of his matches from the from the uh, 80s. Avoid anything with Big Daddy in because that's just where he has to sell. But where he's actually facing a, a baby face in a singles match, um, just see how the how the whole thing, the tension of the whole match is there the whole time. Because, and, and I remember this just watching as a as a kid, whether that be live or whether it be um, on TV, any time that the baby face fell on their flat on their back, you you'd take a, a sharp intake of breath because you'd be thinking, for God's sake, get back up or roll over on your front or something. Don't don't leave yourself in the position to get the get the big splash because and this was the other thing as well with him that that was perfectly booked and people don't replicate it in the right way now. If he hit that big elbow on you, that was it. That was everyone, literally everyone without fail stayed down. And it was usually a, a, a knockout account, you know, a, a knockout or the referee would just stop it or something like that. But no one got up. And that was what made just a simple elbow drop absolutely devastating. Every, everyone and, has the right move. If you think about like to, someone like Tajiri makes sense. His finisher, he kicks you square in the head because he had some of the best kicks going. So if he saves his best one where he's got you prone and he just preps for it and he winds up and he goes full force with a kick to the head, yeah, it's over. And a man in Loch Ness's uh, giant haystack's size, yeah, you can absolutely... It's a shame people don't use that logic now. These days, it's either just do the latest flippy thing, like everyone does destroyers and spring ball cutters, or you get given the WWE route is obviously to give you a, a spine buster or a spear. But to me, it's not even it's not even that. It's not the, because you you could give you could give a wrestler a spine buster as a finisher, and as long as that beat people, that would work. If every time they hit that spine buster, it beat their opponent, and I mean you look at Jake Jake the Snake and the DDT. A lot of the time, his entire match was him trying to trying to hook that DDT onto people, and the the crowd chanting DDT throughout the match. And if he hit you with it, you you were gone. That was it. Whereas nowadays, what you get, and I, I don't want to come across as like the bit grumpy, bitter old man saying it was better in my day or anything like that. But when you're getting people kicking out of finishers the whole time. Yes, sometimes it tells a story like Drew McIntyre and, and Brock Lesnar, for example. But a lot of the time, when you get people kicking out of multiple finishers, it just weakens that finisher and weakens the people who get put away by one of them when someone else gets put away by three or four. 
in my opinion. I, I have to disagree with that in part. I mean, I know, I know that protecting a finisher is important, but I definitely, I, I can say from what I've seen, it's, it's definitely not the only thing you need to do. I'll give you a good example in recent times is Chris Jericho in AEW has a new finisher, the Judas effect. Mm. It's like a, it's like a backhand elbow sort of thing. And they're making a big deal about how no one's kicked out of it. It, doesn't get a particular urinar when he executes it because as, as amazing as Chris Jericho is, one thing I, th- I think what some people can uh, admit to is his, his ecu- execution, I should say, of certain moves is very much like the way my speech has come across in, in this <laughs> podcast. It can be a bit sketchy. It can be a bit, didn't, you know, as I said, like got things like Tajiri using a strike finisher because it always looked great. Yeah. Uh, certain people would use a big boot for a finisher because they made it look vicious and they'd slap their fire at the right time and it, it'd get that reaction. And Jericho hits the Judas effect and he gets the pin every time but it still doesn't get much of a reaction because it doesn't come across as an amazing finisher. So there are certain examples like that. Um, and it brings me back to the Paul Heyman thing he discussed on, I, I want to say it was the Stone, when Paul Heyman did the Stone Cold podcast and he said he could give Mark Henry a headlock as a finisher and you just have those huge arms just wrench on someone's Ooh. head. You get the right people for the first six or seven matches, sell it like that they are literally being crushed to death and tapping out as fast as they can. And like that, you've got it established. Um, you couldn't do that with Mark Henry and a drop kick or Mark Henry and probably not even a clothesline because as big as he is and as much as he would hurt us throwing a clothesline, he wouldn't look that ferocious compared to some of the best lariat throwers of all time. Mm. So I think you've got, you've got to match the finisher up as well. Yeah. And it does look a lot of the stuff I see as a fan. It doesn't look like they put much thought into what would be a good finisher for me. Not what would be a call. What would I like my finisher to be when I make my character on WWE 2K20? Uh, what would, what would suit my, my size, my style, my approach to a match? Yeah. And and then the other thing that the the WWE have these days is with finishers is um, the Big Show test. It's basically they say, could you do your finisher on the Big Show? Because um, they want you know they want it to be a danger to to everyone, not just certain people. But um, we've we've got off on a massive tangent anyway. I think. They're our favourites though. Oh yes. Absolutely. Right. We will we will draw things to a conclusion there. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Um, wherever you get your podcast from, please do uh, subscribe to us and rate and review us. Um, we appreciate every single review that you give us. Um, you can contact us or follow us on Twitter at BecauseWCW or Facebook.com forward slash BecauseWCW. We uh, will have another episode very shortly. We're trying to, we are lining up some very good guests all going well. So, um, yep. So stick with us and, um, as I said, rate and review us, subscribe us, and we will be back with you very, very shortly. So on behalf of Liam Hatt, this is me, the Twisted Genius, saying thanks for joining us, and I'll see you ringside.